Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. This episode is brought to you by bluechew.com. Hey, Sophia, what's bluechew? So, bluechew offers men an enhancement for the bedroom. And at bluechew.com, you can get the first chewables with the active ingredients, the same ones that are in Viagra and Cialis, and you don't have to stand in line or go to the doctor. You just go online and it's their little physician online consult, super quick. Then immediately you get that stuff shipped to your house in a discreet brown box for free if you use our code. Holy shit, you guys. We got a great deal for you. You visit bluechew.com. You get your first order free. What? Free when you use promo code private. All you have to do is put a fiver for the shipping and you're not going to put a fiver on that boner? Who are you? Do it. Put a fiver on that boner. Head over to bluechew.com. Promo code private. Chew it and do it, baby. And I would say Mexico, it's buried in memories. You can see it through its construction, through its places. There's a lot of uh, bubbles around the city that are like places lost in time. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Sophia Alexandra. And it's Viva la Mexico, baby. Viva la Mexico. Mexico. That's right. This is embarrassing. We <laughs> went to Mexico City. We promised we didn't try to talk like that there. We did a lot of hola. I did a lot of uh, poquito mas, poquito in regards to how little in- Spanish I spoke, yeah. and mas in regards to wanting more tacos <laughs> <laughs> we tried to speak the language but we spanglished it up quite a bit that's right but this trip you guys if you listen to our helsinki series that trip was planned months in advance months in advance and we really selected who we were going to talk to before we left and set this, up the times and like everything was like down to the little nitty gritty yeah this was totally different this was like hey we need to leave the fucking country we need to bring people this international content and you know what you guys we did this by the seat of our pants in like 10 days <laughs> yeah we got our tickets really quick um we were like what it's only three hours. It's only three hours and the tickets were only $400. Yeah, like less than even. Maybe 300 Yeah. And I was just like... That's how I first got the idea is just like, I've heard people rave about Mexico City. The art, the food. People always say it's underrated and it's an incredible experience. So I've been wanting to go there. It's been on my list. And then I saw these fares that were crazy low. I think the ones that I first saw were like 274 So I was like, so f- let's go to Mexico City. It's, I can't believe more people. I know. I can't don't believe do we this. haven't I can't been believe there. We've never done this. I mean, for a three-hour flight, like 
I fly longer than that to do stand up all the time. Going to New York is further. So twice as long. Yeah. We loved this trip. It somehow came together beautifully until we got into a little tiff at the very end. We were like, <laughs> which is so- kind of our classic move on last day of the trip. We have to I have know. a little fight. I think it's because we're sad it's over. We don't know how to deal with it. There's some weird glitch that we have. I think that it's probably going to persist. I'm not going to fight it too much because like, you know, Courtney's like, I'm probably going to pick a fight again. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, just want you to be ready. <laughs> I'm gonna let it rip, okay? Last day, this is what's gonna happen. Before we got into our little tip, I'm just though, clowning. We were raving. We, we were having the best time. We were so high on Mexico City. And we're gonna go back. So this is just a little we just wanna get everybody's feet wet. We can't honestly say enough good things. And if you are somewhere in North America, this trip is super close for you. If you're in where we are, mostly. I mean, it's further away if you're on the other coast. It's just comparable to a lot of other trips exactly. in the States. It's like probably you've been to Hawaii more times. Yeah. So I highly recommend it. And it's doable financially. You can get a cheap ticket. Our Airbnb was like 160, 180 for, for the whole week. Four nights. Yeah. You can get some deals and... The hospitality is really so charming. Everybody was wonderful. And we actually are excited because this is a two episode series. And it's a kind of significant day to roll out the first episode, right? Yeah, because it's the Day of the Dead, Dia de los Muertos, which lasts from the 31st to November 2nd. And today's the first day. And when we were down there, they already had decorations out. The merchants were selling a shit ton of Day of the Dead merch and they were already getting into the vibe. So I kind of wish we were there to celebrate with them. But uh, this is the perfect day to bring you guys this episode. We also took a couple of sugar skulls home as like a little. Yeah, they were gifted to us. They were by our tour guide slash friend. Ubish. Ubish. So, okay, the first episode is three gentlemen that we met when we were down there who all happened to be our guides uh, in one way or another during the trip. We didn't know the tour life was where it was at, but you guys, go on some tours. We went on a bike tour and we went on a food tour and we were blown away by what we learned. I mean... These guys are obviously professionals at showing people around their city. But, but also they just love their city so much and they want to share all the things with you. Like the food tour, we ate like six different kinds of tacos. Ubish is truly at the top of his game. Yeah. And Ubish also grew up there and it's just I in know. the market. So he to can go- give you a really, I feel like such an authentic experience. So many of the people in the market have known him from when he was a baby. Yeah, it's insane. The connection that he has to that place can give you a totally different experience than a tour from just some random ass person. He's a cultural bridge. It's incredible. And Giovanni and Alejandro, our bike tour guides, were also incredible. And we just happened into Alejandro at a party the night before. Literally, we were talking out loud. Oh, tomorrow we're going to go to the Frida Kahlo house. We wish we knew someone who was an expert. I said to Sophia before we got there, I was like, I'm secreting 
there's going to be something about the Frida Kahlo. We're going to get a guide there. And we did. It was crazy. And Alejandro literally overheard us and was like, wait, are you going to the Frida Kahlo tomorrow? Because we're going. When are you going? We we're like the in the morning. Works. And he was like, us too. <laughs> and I'm not good at riding a bike. And I fell a bunch uh, and also crashed into a car. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> the point is, even for someone who's not good at bikes, riding from Mexico City to Coyacan for the Frida Kahlo. Despite oh, so despite the bike accident, would you have gone back and not done the bike tour? No, I still would have done it. 100%. <laughs> Fuck that car. <laughs> I was so excited to have done it. And literally, my body was covered in bruises. And still, I was like, you know what? Worth it. It's pretty fucking worth it. Also, such a loving shout out to the Frida Kahlo house. You guys. Casa Azul. Casa Azul. I mean, it was one of the most profound museum experiences I've ever had. Because it is in the house where she lived. You feel like her energy and spirit is still there. I know that sounds really weird to say, but when you're there and you're by her bed where she like lived and painted. Her life was art. She was so process oriented that she made her life art. Truly, she had a day bed room that was clearly like for daydreaming. She had a night bed area. She was so specific on how she laid everything out and everything was gorgeous. And Even painted. all the little things like clearly when she was laying around and not doing quote unquote art like her big pieces, she was making tiny little figurines and pottery and plates and everything is so bright and gorgeous. You feel creative in that house. I wanted to stay and be like, I, I don't know, I might fuck around and paint something. I know. I kind of wished it was like a residence that you could rent instead of a museum, but I'm so grateful that no, it's we wouldn't have had access. Yeah. yeah. And it's an interesting museum too, because you can't go backwards. It's like one flow. So you have to like really take your time and be sure you want to move on. It's a really interesting way of viewing art. It's just incredible. Again, if you are taking a quick little trip for a little four day weekend and you go and you literally see one of the best museums in the world and have one of the most profound experiences there. How dumb do you feel for not going earlier? <laughs> We're going to unpack this a little further in today's episode and I think in the next episode as well. But I don't think we can do this series without acknowledging that Sophia and I really had to confront some privilege while we were there. And some. <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. Yeah. We're so lucky. Sophia and I got there and there was a protest that was happening that we didn't know about when we landed. So what should have been a 35 minute tops ride from the airport to our Airbnb took over an hour and a half. I think closer to two hours. Yeah, I think that's about right. And we drove very slowly through these neighborhoods that we probably wouldn't have noticed in as great of detail as we did. And I feel actually really grateful for that because we saw, I mean, one guy's job was just to have the dirty upholstery from other cars so that he could repurpose it into other cars. That was his Just the way you drive by and you see people's little like stands and they specialize in one thing. So like we saw a lot of like, oh, this guy only is a tire guy. It's a tiny little like four foot by four foot thing. It's piled up with tires. He fucking only does tires. If you want tires, you go to tire guy. And then next to him is car upholstery guy. He only does that. But uh, it's not a shop with new parts and no. whatever. No, they don't have new parts. In that area. In that anyway. area, it's people that are trying to survive. I mean, that's just the way of life. It's just totally different. And it's also kind of reminds me more of like, you know, when I grew up in Ukraine, like 
as a kid, I remember, you, you know, there were no supermarkets or big markets. Like when I came here, that was really crazy. You know, when you wanted to buy stuff, it's like for bread, you go to the bread place, mm-hmm. you know, to the bakery. If you want, you know, school supplies, that's like its own store. If you want fruit, you know, so it's kind of like a little like it throws me back to like old school where like, yes, people specialize in one thing. And you go to different people and patronize all of their businesses, depending on like which thing you need. In some way, there's more community in that, right? And I think now we're at a a stage of globalization where so much power is allocated to a few big companies. And in that way, I don't know, there's just so much to unpack, I I thought, with the socioeconomic stuff in Mexico City. And we're just going to scratch the surface and get to know some of these people. So let's get into it, right? First up, we have Giovanni. How much did you love him? He was a total delight. I like that he had his like standard patter jokes for like his tour. Thought that was adorable. Yeah, he was like the lead guy on the bike tour. So pointing out the hot spots to us, they took us through Coyacan. He lists the neighborhoods, I think, in his interview. Yeah, and something that's interesting is on Sundays uh, in Mexico City, they shut down the roads for cyclists. I love this. Until 2 p.m. So when we were biking with a whole bunch of people, everyone was biking. You were out and people were just like doing their thing. He said it was to encourage family and bonding. And because people in Mexico City work six days a week, it's a six-day work week. And obviously, it's a very Catholic country. Yeah, so, so Sunday, Sunday is, is like the day of rest. You're off. It's your day of rest. You take it really seriously. You spend it with your family. And we really did see a lot of that. Yeah, so there's been this whole bike initiative. And the tour was incredible. Giovanni is a delight. I'm sure you'll find him as charming as we did. Here we go. My name is Giovanni Castillo, and I'm a tourist guide here in uh, beautiful Mexico City. So would you say Mexico City is a romantic city? Um, yeah, I guess I guess so. I, I, I'd consider it a romantic place. Um, us as Mexicans, uh, we're, very, uh, we're very loving people. With our gestures, we're very loving. So yeah, I, I'd consider it a, a romantic city. What's the most romantic spot? The most romantic spot? Geez, I mean, it depends on, on the person and where what part of the city they're from. But, um... Like if you were going to go and impress a girl. If you'd want to go and impress... It depends what type of girl. A romantic place? It depends what type of girl. It does depend what type of girl. So um, you've got game. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would take her to Chapultepec. Uh, you know, take her to La Roma, where we were at. Um, take her to Condesa. Explain to her a little bit about the history of Mexico, especially uh, Chapultepec. Chapultepec has a lot of history, and the Condesa Roma area too has a lot of history. So, yeah, and there's a there's a lot of love stories from around, especially here in, in Coyoacan. One of the first ones would be like uh, the romance between um, Hernan Cortez and Malinche. So I'm so glad you said that and not Frida yeah, and Diego. Well, because Diego was kind of a dick. Well. He, yeah, in in a way, yeah, he did screw uh, Frida's sister. So yeah, that was yeah, that was a dick move, I yeah, guess, right? Not not that chill. But um, no, I mean, Hernan Cortez, when he arrived in Veracruz, he met a he made a native woman. Her name was uh, Malinche, 
she's known as Malinche now, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how to pronounce her native name. But when uh, Hernan Cortez arrived here in Mexico, he met Malinche. And um, when he met her, she helped him move around. She knew a lot of different routes and knew, uh, knew a lot of different, um, a lot of... Exactly, she was her his Sacagawea. Exactly, she was his guide. And later on, I guess as time progressed, they uh, kind of had a relationship. You know, they. I think it is said that he was the the father of the mestizaje, which is what we are, mixed people. We're very different cultures have passed through here, from Spaniards to all the different subcultures that were here. So there's there's a lot of a lot of diversity here in Mexico City. It's really diverse. It's even down to the food. I mean, a great example would be like the, the tamal and be the tamal torta, which is la a guajalota, is what we call it here in guajalota, which is the, the tamal is from pre-Hispanic times, right? And the bolillo, which is the bread that is, that is in, is something that the French brought. So that's just, that's a great example of how mixed we are and how diverse this Mexico City melting is. Pot. It's a melting pot, exactly. I gotta exactly. keep you honest though, because right before we turn on the mic, you were saying you lived in Southern California, right? Uh -huh, yeah. And you missed the food. Well, no, I missed the food of how diverse it is in the States um, and how accessible it is. That's uh, like, I miss different cuisines. I don't miss the, the American food because it's, well, not, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of, it's pretty simple and yeah, kind of, and kind of bland, you know? <laughs> All right, you're keeping us <laughs> But hey, but yeah, that's the only thing I miss, the diversity of the food in the States. Um, it's a quite quite a diverse place as well, but um, the mentality changes a little bit. And here, everybody's mentality is different, you know. And uh, you I get feel, you feel like you're more in sync or different. I feel like we're more in sync. I'm more in sync here with uh, with the people because it's so much diversity in the states that people come from 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 a different uh, country, but they could be like first generation, you know what I mean? Or they could be like the third generation. And as the generations progress that they've been in the States, the mentality changes as well. And, and here, no, not, not so much. I mean, like, people that come to Mexico, they, uh, they adapt to the culture. You know, it's, it's just like anywhere else. But, um, but the mentality kind of stays the same. We're all, like, very hardworking people, very loving people, like, very polite people. And I guess that counts as being romantic, right? Politeness. I have one question. Um, how have you met most of the people you've had relationships with here? Tinder or real life? Um, tender and real life because, like I said, we're all very polite people and we're all very like loving and we like to to express our feelings. You know, even to our even to our friend. Well, I mean, maybe in other cultures might consider it flirting, but um, I guess here it's just uh, being very polite. Like here in in Mexico. For example, like if uh, you have a, a a friend that's a lady, like a lady friend, um, or even a person that you just meet, if she's a woman, you greet her with a handshake and a kiss on the cheek. I noticed that here. So, I and in the in, in in the states, it's more like kind of like a hug. You know, you meet yeah. you you greet your 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 friend, and if she's a lady, you give her a hug, and if it's a guy, you just shake his hand. And here, even if it's a man, if it's a if it's one of your buddies that you grew up with, you're gonna give him a, a hug. And if you notice, if you notice when guys do that here in Mexico, they um, they hug from the left side like this. They don't hug from the right because heart, um, to, heart. heart to heart, exactly. Oh. So we are a very romantic culture. We're very expressive people, 
even like even if you if you buy something from a street vendor especially if she's a lady an older lady she'll call you mijo she'll call you she'll call you amor corazón so she'll she'll oh man she'll make you feel loved okay two final things if you don't mind sharing how old are you and are you in a relationship I am actually 34 years old and yeah I, I am in a really I'm actually married I've oh. been I've been married for about three years now yeah I have a it going? it's it's going good it's going good and um, since I, I actually grew up in the States you know so I, I was born Mexican grew up American and came back confused <laughs> but no hey I, I it's home you know I felt I felt at home as soon as I came back I mean, um, like I said, we're very loving people and very uh, charismatic as well. So, like, everybody made me feel comfortable. And I felt as, uh, you know, like I never left. I felt so welcome. Oh, Giovanni, such a sweetie. I'm so glad he landed back in Mexico City. Yeah, and that we got a chance to talk to him. And I'm so excited for our next person. Next up, we have Ubish Yaren. He is... Foodie extraordinaire. You guys, I got three... We say it at the beginning of the interview, but I got three recommendations from different travel writers, pros, that he was the the guy that we should get a food tour from. Yeah, I mean, he loves food. He pretty much... I don't know, stuffed us? How many more tacos it could you have eaten? I it couldn't wasn't have. a bougie food tour. He took us to Merced Market, which is one of the oldest running commercial districts. It's where you used to pay your tariff to be able to go in and sell your goods in the city. Yeah. And the market is the oldest traditional market in Mexico, I believe. And it's the largest market currently running in Mexico City. Ubish indicated that the government wishes they could gentrify it and it wouldn't be so mom and pop like it is now. But it was such a cool place to visit. They sell everything there. I mean, literally, you can buy anything from a giant pig head that there you were, can eat. There were stalls with, yeah, all different kinds of food. Um, there were some clothes. food vendors. You could get clothes. You could get tchotchkes. The live animal section was a little sad because it's not very it's not regulated. regulated. And the animals can get sick. And It was a big bummer for us, actually. Yeah. But... In the witchcraft section, we bought a dick candle for a spell. Yeah, we're very excited. So don't cross us, okay? Because we're going to burn <laughs> you down. And prostitution is actually legal. Or they look the other way in this district. Yeah, exactly. So without further ado, here's Ubish. My name is Ubish. I'm a chef. I have a podcast that is called Culinaria Nacional. It's a Mexican food podcast. And I have a tour company that is called Mexico Underground, where I do um, travel concierge services. So we found you because I put up a post and three people recommended you. So you're pretty good at what you do. How long have you been doing it and how did you get into it? Uh, well, thanks. I have been doing this for six years and I started as a side job, like walking with people, tell, telling them where to eat and it was amazing. Uh, and I have been on a, over a year with my own business, so I'm very happy that the people likes it. And you were also in the Tacos documentary, right? 
Oh yes. So I was very excited that they, they chose me to be in this taco documentary called Taco Chronicles on Netflix. I was in the first episode because I just bumped with them. Uh, literally, they were recording there, and then I was eating tacos, and then I was like, oh, I think I know that girl, and she's like, oh, I'm doing a documentary. Do you want to be in for your podcast? And I'm like, yeah, for sure. And that was it. So I was born in a neighborhood called Cuauhtémoc, which is now very gentrified. And then when I was very little, like five, six years, I moved to the neighborhood where we met. It's called El Parque, and there is nothing touristy about it. That is changing because, well, the Netflix taco documentary happened there. And also there is a very unique church over there that uh, many people want to go to see it, especially for the Virgen de Guadalupe Day. And besides, it's a very real, authentic neighborhood. Like, you, there's no Airbnbs there. So that's the easy way to put it out. You seem like you're pretty in love with your city. Yeah, I love my city. Yeah, I just hate the traffic, but I love people, food, culture, weather, everything about my city. Okay, so would you say Mexico City is a romantic city? I will say that, yes. <laughs> Why is it romantic? I feel that Mexicans we are really passionate when we are into the people and I like always to walk around and having chats with the people that I like so I feel that that's easy to do in Mexico City. There's a few neighborhoods that are better, Roma, Coyoacán, Condesa, and we have a lot of these um, sex hotels everywhere in the city so it's very easy to turn the romantic date into something more personal. <laughs> so at the beginning of the tour you were pointing out uh, as a patron saint that's not approved by the Vatican mm -hmm. um, and it was started as the patron saint of prostitution for prostitution yeah so there are many theories about this saint but that's one that's the one that I learned in school uh, is the is the saint called Santa Muerte and uh, I learned that it was a saint protector to the prostitutes because the prostitutes were always very near death because of their job no it was a very risky job so they grabbed that image of that saint uh, to protect themselves and basically just saying please make it easy no please don't make it hard so because obviously many of them are working not for themselves for their kids no so for their families to supply a better quality of living in the tour we passed down a stretch where you were like oh please don't take pictures because a lot of sex workers on this row. Yeah, so Merced Market uh, has this area. Actually, the oldest red light district in Mexico City is in Merced. Uh, the oldest uh, street is called Las Gallas, literally means the female roosters. And it was where the prostitutes used to be. We have prostitutes in Mexico since indigenous times, but uh, that is the oldest neighborhood on the colony times. Uh, and even really near that neighborhood, there is a retirement house only for prostitutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. That must be the coolest. I haven't been. I want to go. It's called Casa Xochiquetzal, which I really want to go to visit. There's even a book made of the uh, of the elderliest prostitutes living there telling their stories. That's incredible. For someone who's never been to Mexico City and was going for the first time, what is the like one thing you would love, love them to know? Well, the city is not as bad as the news put it. Um, and um, stay longer like at least for a week two weeks because sometimes the people only comes for a weekend and I feel that we have enough things to see for a week at least that's a great suggestion um, what would you say is the most romantic place in Mexico? Coyoacan Coyoacan is the best yeah 
Coyacan is because it's very walkable. There's a lot of coffee shops. Every person in Mexico City who was born and raised here has a love history there. Everyone. There is no there is no one who doesn't have a love history in Coyacan. And what's your top like spot? One of my favorite places in the city is Reforma Avenue. So they, this main avenue, very near, I think, to where you are staying. Because you can just walk all the way the avenue and then walk it back. And you can just enjoy uh, the shade of the trees, the vibe of the people. So for me, Reforma Avenue is one of the most amazing places in the city. So you yourself, are you single or are you dating? Right now, I say that I'm single and casually dating people. Um, and I feel have felt con comfortable like that in the past four or five years. How old are you? I'm 30. There, do you feel like most people your age are already married and having kids by your age? Or are there a lot of other single people in Mexico City? I, ha I think that it will be medium. Like a few is still single and a few getting married. And yeah, that makes you feel old. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, would you uh, say that you meet most of the people you date in person or on Tinder? I mixed it. I mixed uh, online dating and person, so I do both. We've noticed that uh, there's more like public displays of affection here yeah. than in other countries. Like we were in Finland, and people do not do that. And you've also traveled a lot. So yeah. You have so a good barometer. Do you think there's more PDA here? I. For us, it's very common, so we don't even notice it. But when I notice when people, friends, like clients, tell me about it, I'm like, yeah. I, but I consider it normal. And then when it's not considered normal for me, it's weird because why you should not let yourself allowed to do that? You know. Agreed. I think we as Americans get like a little bit embarrassed because we're like. People don't do it as much. There's a little bit of that. Mostly teenagers make out in, yeah. in like America, but here anybody any age is just like going at it. And it's so sexy that I feel weird. I'm like, should I, I know, look? I feel kind of like a curve. Yeah. yeah like, what's the etiquette? But I yeah. like it. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. No, we're into it. We're just like, do are we not supposed to? <laughs> no, yeah, and it's very open, especially in the city. It's very open with gay, with uh, straight people, elderly, young. Doesn't matter. Hey, fellas, you looking to go a few extra rounds in the bedroom? You want to last longer? You want to be confident with your dick thrusts? Get that soldier hard by going to BlueChew.com because BlueChew has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to a whole nother level. Yeah, check it. They have the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work even faster. Hell yeah, you can take them day or night, anytime you got the urge, even on a full stomach. And this stuff is cheaper than the other two, so it's a no-brainer. Basically, if you like sex, you're gonna like Blue Chew. And you don't need to go to the doctor's office, you don't need to wait in line in a pharmacy like some kind of loser. You go online, you have your little online physician consult, it's free, and the second you're approved, your order ships straight to your door in a discreet brown box, bam. Done and done. So here's a great deal for you guys. Seriously, you got nothing to lose, and you only got boners to gain. So visit bluechew.com and you get your first order free. I couldn't even fucking believe it, you guys. Free when you use promo code PRIVATE. All you pay for is shipping, and that's just five bucks. So again, that's B-L-U-E, chew.com, promo code PRIVATE. Dicks up, privates. There are very many mixed feelings. For prostitution, it's illegal. You can do it, uh, but many people has to do it. 
Uh, a few are forced to do it. Other ones are optionally willing it to do it. And it always is very criticized, no? Very, very criticized. And abortion now is getting more accepted, but it still has a lot of uh, old school feelings, no? Like, there's always a criticism against the woman, never against the man, yeah. no? So that is very, I don't know, I don't feel that it's fair, no? But because, yeah, that's... Do you think it's a generational thing? Because we also talked to another young person who said kind of a similar thing. He was 21, yeah. So do you think it's younger people that are more okay with it and older people that are not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel that they uh, know that they have more options. Know that, that like now it's legal. You can go to a safe place to do it. You don't have to hide it. Like maybe your parents will just understand it better. I feel that it, now it's more open. Yeah. Um, and then I have a question about sex hotels. So that's like a very particular part of culture, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Tell us more about sex. Well, ba basically, it's the result of not having personal space in your house because you live in your parents' house and many people live with your parents. So you need this personal space to be more intimate. And that's a result of the love hotels. And they are very fun. Like, they are thematic. They are... Um, yeah, like with jacuzzi. Like, there's a lot of them, no? So it's very... It's fun. So it's like a common... A thing that... Like, For us, it's very common. So, like, yeah, it's not embarrassing to be like... Okay. I mean, maybe the first time that you go with someone that you just are dating, yeah, but... Uh, but, like, to say to someone, like, if you're, if you're like, oh, I'm running late, I'm going to meet my girlfriend at the sex hotel, would you uh, say that or no? No. You don't no. have to tell them where you're having No. Well, I just want to know if it's, like, that casual or not. Yeah, no, but I don't like think so. it's, like, a practicality instead of, yeah. like, a fringe, a thing that only people on the fringes of society yeah, I mean, it's also common because uh, people with their lovers go for their with their mistress, uh -huh. no? But, That's yeah. Question yeah. What would you say are the attitudes towards monogamy? Uh, I feel, honestly, like, uh, I mean, it's maybe the stereotype, no? That men want to date more and women are looking always for a relationship. But it's very real here. And it's not that they are looking actually for a relationship. They don't want to be judged. No, I feel that it's that. And I feel that it's still, there, there is a lot of judging problems here. No, like you are afraid of what other people is going to think about you, what it's going to say about you. Little by little, women are getting more sexually open, which is good, but it's hard. I understand that it's hard because everyone is going to criticize you. Your friends, your family, your brothers, siblings, everyone. But little by little, it's changing. So there's a lot of machismo in the society, and it's like, you know, do you, that's, Personally, I don't feel it because I feel that the people that I'm close with are not like that, but I do have seen it and especially hear it from friends. So I feel that we have a big problem with that. Has it made it hard for you to access certain emotions or like feel self-conscious about something you were doing that maybe is something dudes would make yeah, like, you about for being a feminist? I, I think that I didn't was aware of certain things that I was like I that things that I have never thought about, no? And then when I started to learn about that I was like, oh well yeah that, that has a reason and also that I couldn't express my feelings. So I feel that there is a movement of uh, woke, like waking up, no? Uh, but uh, I think that still we are very far distance of being achieving something good little by little, I think.
what a wise way to look at the world. Yeah, I think change is happening and it's happening slowly and we have to be patient, but also push for it. Agreed. Yeah, he's also just being a realist, I think. Ubish loves his city so much. It's a really cool thing to see. Like he he travels a bunch and I think some Mexicans in his position might just leave, but he doesn't because he loves that place. Well, he also is like whenever he talked about other places he's been, he was always very careful to be like, oh, yeah, so that was great about it. That was great about it. But yeah, I love Mexico City. So (laughs) (laughs) and another hilarious detail, if you notice in the interview, he said he's dating around. We still don't know. There was an assistant on the tour. Very lovely girl. And Courtney has a theory. Are they dating? It felt like they were dating. And it was amazing because he was like, yeah, I'm casually dating as she was sitting there. <laughs> we were doing the interview. I was so, like, damn. <laughs> I had no idea about any of that. <laughs> Courtney was like, no, was I think this is what's happening. Theory. And I was like, oh, my God, I missed all of that. So uh, anyway, holler at us. Ubesh. Are you dating? What's going on? Yeah. Who was she? Are you guys? Who is she? <laughs> is she fucking up your single streak <laughs> or is she just super cool and you guys are like friends with benefits just holler at us okay just let us know we're the thirsty deets. for details <laughs> we're both in long-term relationships Give we us need some. this <laughs> okay so finally we get to our beloved alejandro he is a baby boy we love him he's 21 he is so sweet so we, mature so smart we were saying at the beginning we bumped into him at this party. party thrown by uh someone you're gonna meet in the next episode and this was just happenstance i secreted it actually <laughs> i secreted it did he I totally not? did we were just literally talking at the party and then alejandro overheard us and he was like what we were like we have to go to the frida Kahlo house And we were just going to do the dumb shit where you just stand in line. No, on this tour, they rush Part of the money that you pay for like the bike rental, which is like $60 USD or something. But part of the money that you spend goes to this dope Frida Kahlo ticket. So you literally just ride there on your bike. You get there and you go inside. You go past the crowds. You're immediately in. It's awesome. It's a hack. So take their tour. We're going to include links to all the tours in the episode description. And if you're going to Mexico City, you better click on those links. But Alejandro, Alejandro surprised us. Not only were we already kind of bowled over by how sensitive and like deep and smart and amazing he is at only 21, but like we couldn't have predicted this conversation. your name how old you are and what you did okay my name is Alejandro I'm 21 years old and that's an interesting question um what I do is I try to achieve my goals on the best way and as soon as possible as human as possible and, and as much as possible and what do you do for jobs I do tours sometimes I do photography for events for private shootings and I also work in a, in a corporate. You work at AT&T too, right? Yeah, that's the corporate. Oh, that's the corporate job, yeah. So uh, you were saying earlier that everyone in Mexico City has like several hustles, like three jobs, everyone has a bunch of things. Do you feel like that's true? You're like 
trying to hustle your passion at night and you're trying to hustle your money during the day and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, in order to, you know, do what you really want, it really, it's, it's hard, you know, it really requires you to have a privilege with you in order to complete what you want. And if you don't get to have that privilege, you have to make that privilege for yourself. If you don't have it, you have to, to pay it or earn it in, sort, in that sort of way. Let's talk about privilege a little bit because, I mean, it's definitely made us feel very privileged, I think, to see certain things, especially on our way in from the airport. We're like, oh, some of these communities are actually really rough. Well, yeah, it definitely makes your life different from scratch till end on what you perceive. In Mexico, we get to face two kind of visions. The vision that it's like the a vision really similar to what the American dream can be, and that a lot of people is able to to achieve in here when they get to have the proper tools and contacts. But at the very same time, that is possible. Simultaneously, you get to see that there's people that have like a really closed door on having uh, an affordable life because the minimum salary from the city that we get to have here in Mexico and it's barely barely enough and you get to find parts of the country that really doesn't have any attention there's people who literally has no one to care for them they only buy themselves and they have to manage on what the life gives to them and sometimes the life gives them really fucked up opportunities that they need to to take in order to, to have a good life. That defines a lot of the Mexican culture and the, you can compare that to the Mexican politics. You know, whoever is at the power, they'll have this attitude of doing, of willing to do whatever the it's, they, necessary. it's necessary to be done. Like, yeah, this is my face, this is my everything, like, my, my face, my family, like, they give literally everything about themselves just for, to give the chance to, to run for, for it. You can see that. I want to do a quick lightning round of social and cultural customs, or, or what's acceptable, especially with sex and dating and that kind of stuff. So, abortion. Hmm. Well... You know, I don't define myself binarily, but I have to acknowledge why I am, and it, I, make, I am a man, and I think I'm not allowed to, you know, support, uh, think of what it's about to have an abortion since I'm not able to. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. It's what I really think. It, it's really a, a thing that I cannot have an opinion that because as much as I try to follow up a situation like that, I will never feel what that happens to you, you know, when your body changes. Is it legal in Mexico City? Yes, it's legal in Mexico City and just being in Oaxaca. Oh, it's cool. recently. Sex workers? Like prostitutes? What's the deal? And here in Mexico? Yeah. As a society, we we have our, our pleasures that are like bad scene. So you will see on the streets several types of people looking for all sorts of things and you will be able to find it. If you Is are it accepted? Or are those people seen as like an other? What do people think of the people doing the sex work? 
they will always reject it on the streets. Actually, we are in a zone that it's the next block here on the nights you get to find uh, girls and trans girls that get to work on that. And Because yeah, the rich guys over here, right? Yeah. Yeah. And are there strip clubs. Yeah, there there are several strip clubs. They have closed a few ones, and there are one that still remain open. Is being trans or gender queer is that acceptable in the city? Uh, there's still some rejection against, but uh, the city has improved a lot on what it can provide to the the community. The community has. It has evolved a lot. They, they are now present, and it's just something that can be undone now. It's 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 written, and it's it's something of today. You can't put them back in the closet. It's progress. It just that's how it goes. Yeah, it's just a matter of just opening yourself. For me, if I can talk for myself, I don't consider myself a straight man, but I'm not really into men. I'm just really into girls. But you know, I'm still able to play with other parts of me. Like I really like to have like this alter ego of me, where I get to be like a girl, mm. and I'm really accepted with it. And it has, it has really made me evolve in uh, such different ways to perceive the the reality, because all of my life, my I was raised to, you know, care about women and make them feel safe, and. All through my history, I thought I felt this thing that you you women feel when you may not feel yourself secure at all, mm -hmm. or you feel like your life can take a different path just because you're of your gender. Yeah. And I've seen all these things, and uh, for lots of my life, I thought I had stand it. I even though felt like the courage to stand out, but since I started doing uh, the experiments of you know seeing myself on a more feminine way you know and makes making it like more physical like become the other gender it's something unbelievable and uh, it has helped me to uh, know lots of things there was this time i went out um, dressed as a girl i was with my my girlfriend and we went on the um, the usual way to the usual club that we got to go well it's not a club it's just a uh, It's a hall where we get to go and listen music and, you know, <laughs> those kind of party places. And we take the public transport because we want to, you know, have more, more fun, you know. You don't have to drive, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it was different since I was dressed as a girl. I, w I had like this um, um, leather skirt. Uh, I also had, no, it was a denim skirt. I had a leather jacket and I was only wearing a bra. Sexy. Yeah. I love this. So I think it's interesting and makes a lot of sense why you would want to play with gender in that way because there's a lot of machismo and masculinity in, in this yeah. culture. Do you think that has anything to do with it? Yeah, I was raised on a, on a macho family. Thanks to my mom, I really knew how to have the balance. She will often lead take me to classes and she will always give me lessons about dealing with my femininity that because of my dad I was half a man but my my mom makes me half a woman but you know there's these times where this reality that we get to have it's not something that is always able to us 
So from time to time, I, I had to be on different environments with my family. I was left alone amongst them. And there was a few times I was left only with my aunts, all male, and they will literally bully me with all this Uncles? trip I had. Yeah, they would tell me the queer word is marica or maricon. So it's like, hey, you are a maricon and that. So it really affects you when you are growing. And I felt that through the years when I was growing up and you get to have like this sense of recreation amongst men. Like that was one of my first early stages with my family. But when I grew up and I was with my friends at, at, at college, at, at high school and that, um, it's really, really sort of a similar way. And sometimes I have seen myself and I have changed that, but sometimes you get to play the role like during a time if you get to grow up and you see on your friends everyone plays the role like one can be like the really macho one that it's uh, making everyone feel uncomfortable and there's this second other macho like he doesn't want to look weak so he starts to generate this vibe yeah I've, I have managed to see that and you know stop it when you get to see it but it's and a yeah. whole cultural thing right you can, it's hard to undo by yourself yeah yeah. It's basically it makes you fit or it does not make you fit. Like so fit in, right? Yeah. You said you had a girlfriend. Yeah. How long have you guys been together? For a couple months now. Oh, nice. How did you guys meet? We met ourselves at a party uh, from a friend that she was going away, so she was doing like a last party. I love that she seems chill with your gender play and stuff. Yeah, she has supported me a lot on that. Thanks to her, I, I have adhered myself to, you know, talk about this because to my very closest friends, I get to speak to them about doing this, this, this exercise. Not an exercise, it's neither a challenge. It's just like an experience for you to do because mm -hmm. when you get to be the girl and you get to receive all the optical contact, all the ways they look at you, and that it makes you really change yourselves. As I was telling you, we were taking the same route to go to the place that we go every time. And you know, a lot of cars they were stopping by. They were yeah, wanting you were us. A pretty girl. Yeah, I can yeah. show you some pictures I if you want. I get them. I bet you were. Yeah. Oh. Look at that dimple. Of course. <laughs> of course you're yeah. Is there anything that you would want people who've never been to Mexico City oh, that don't know anything about it? What would you tell them that you they absolutely must know? If they're coming to visit here from their homes, I would tell them to to give it a try, to just uh, not listen all the propaganda that it's against the, the, the country. Like, Mexico City is like every other part of the world. Like, if you get to be around uh, good things, good things will happen to you. If you get to be around bad things, bad things will happen to you. We have good people and we get to have bad people the country it's known for as an escape land people really start a good life in here or people really come here to do things that are not allowed in their country it's really up to them and it's also up to us to get to know the experience here last question what's your favorite spot in mexico city my favorite spot i would say is this this cave on the chapultepec park Everybody there is one it. yeah it has lots of histories, but one of those that I really like is that it has one cave. It's a legend. The legend tells that you there was this Tatuani who was like a leader of 
of the the culture that used to reside before the the conquer and she went he went he was a he he went i don't know maybe she was a she, yeah. she history changes uh, he went on the underworld so he can get some answers and during lots of years that cave was open to go to the underworld so if you get to be around that cave you can feel some some interesting vibes because it's the supposed door to the underworld I feel so special that Alejandro trusted us enough to share his gender fluidity with us. And I think his way of looking at it is truly interesting and unique. He's not planning to transition. He is learning about what it's like to navigate the world as a woman through his gender play. And honestly, this should be mandatory. How can we get every straight man or any man really to just maybe walk in our shoes for like a minute. I think it's, that would be incredible. It's that and it also speaks to how heavy the burden of toxic masculinity is. Part of it is feeling like he gets to be the person who's taken care of for a second. And it's like, oh man, we're failing men if we haven't figured out how to give them an outlet to express themselves in a more genuine way. Well, because... We're so derogatory towards men that express their emotions. You know, it's like built in that like, oh, they're pussies. This is some to mm -hmm. look, something to look down at. They're weak. When actually, you know, the goal should be for men and women to be in the same place with being able to express who they are. That is true quality, really. I mean, I, to me, that's kind of what feminism is, hopefully. That all of us get as close as we can to understanding the other. And, and feeling like... You can exist anywhere on the spectrum. Feeling it, there's like there's no binary. Yeah. So this episode was these three guys who we love talking to and learned so much from. And next in our series, you're going to meet two more people. These are incredible women who are both artists and different kind of artists. And we'll give you a totally different view of Mexico City from their eyes. I think it's because of the shifting culture that you heard from these three men. You know, maybe it's a little bit more permissive or there's rumblings of that than uh, we think of in traditional Mexican culture. And that's what allows people like these next two women that you're going to hear from to exist in Mexico City. Yeah, and I think that just as we were pretty uninformed and assumed that, oh, you know, Mexico City must be very Catholic. They're probably are very straight, very few yeah. queer people. They probably are afraid to express themselves. And that is not what we found overall. It doesn't mean that there's still no problems with homophobia or that, you know, there's no people killing LGBT people. That happens everywhere. In America, it happens all the time. So we just want to say that the part that we didn't expect was this really strong and vibrant queer culture. So we can't wait to bring you that. Hey, Sophia, what's that bomb-ass music? I'm so glad you asked. This music is by our friend Amy Rosh. Find her on Spotify, R-A-A-S-C-H. This episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda from Plastic Audio. Take it, Ramos, Mike. Yeah, Spanish Nailed edition. Espanol. <laughs> <laughs> and as promised, we're going to read you the review of the week. Oh my gosh, this review is by 
Neil P. Pizza. Already love your commitment to pizza, Neil. Great job. And Neil says, educational, great quality, and refreshing. I was turned on to this podcast when searching for feminist podcasts to learn more about ideas that challenge my societal norms. Damn, that's a woke Neil. This podcast has been really refreshing and down to earth. I enjoy the nature of pushback within the show. The hosts keep it real. They keep me laughing and saying, oh, I've been recommending this podcast to everyone. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Neil. I love that. And also way to work on yourself and try to challenge yourself and your ideas. And I think we need more Neils in the world. Seriously, Neil, how are you so woke? Teach the others. Ubish was saying, you know, culture changes little by little. And that's a bunch of Neils looking for feminist podcasts and leaving great reviews. Thank you, Neil. Neil, you deserve a pizza. Go get it. And we will send you a button, Neil. If you send us your address, we would be happy to send you a private parts unknown button. And to anyone who wants to review the show, first of all, we might read your review on air. How dope would that be? And second of all, what happens to everyone who writes a review, Sophia? You get a button. You get a button. You get a button. Everyone gets a button. We will Oprah your ass with a button, but you have to send us your address or we don't know where to send the button. Yeah, we Neil, just throw them up in do? the air. I can't throw it into a pigeon. They're not say, pepperonis. Pizza. Come on, Neil. <laughs> so give us those five stars if you liked us. And if you didn't like us, Thanksgiving is coming. The reckoning comes for you. You're going to be the turkey, bitch. (laughs) See you guys next week. Bye. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.